0: Only the biggest stories, only the biggest guests, and only the biggest opinions. This is AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Now I've got it. I finally understand what the difference between Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Nicolas Maduro, the Venezuelan despot, is. You know what the difference is? What? Her skincare routine. Thank you, Instagram. People want me to post my skincare routine, she wrote in oh, Instagram. I don't want to seem too product placement tea.
1: I've been waiting. Is that Too even product placement tea. It's like tippy top. Tippy
0: top. So I'm not going to go crazy with brands, but here's the gist. And uh, she recommends a double cleansing, first using a balm or oil to melt off the makeup, then using okay. a soapy cleanser to wash your skin.
1: <laughs> and then you get the Ocasio-Cortez glow. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Well, Thank gonna- you. This beauty tip brought to you by Dan Pravd.
0: I'm going to try it. I'm going to try you it. You know what?
1: Yeah. Let's do it tomorrow because everyone's going to be off and not a lot of people be in their cars, you know. Yeah. You can just do an on-air facial.
0: Thank you, Acacio Cortez. <laughs> Interesting, um, the uh, reaction to the prospect of deposing a dictator who, along with his predecessor, Chavez, has destroyed a nation and plunged tens of millions of people into life-threatening poverty. Yeah. Uh, the reaction from uh, some of the leading lights of the left, uh, S- Congresswoman Ilhan Omar from Minnesota. A U.S.-backed coup in Venezuela is not a solution to the dire issues they face. Is the coup, is that what's going on in support of Guaido, or is it a revolt against the Marxist dictator? Huh. Tulsi Gabbard. In case you thought she was a moderate because she served in the military, the United States needs to stay out of Venezuela, let the Venezuelan people determine their future. Well, that's sort of what's happening uh, with some encouragement by the United States in the form of uh, recognizing Guaido, in the form of offering humanitarian aid, in the form of trying to free the Venezuelan people from the despotism under which they've suffered.
1: Well, John Bolton yesterday said that all options are on the table. He had a real quick press briefing. But I scribbled on his yellow pad, Dan, it said 5,000 troops to Colombia. So that, you know, everybody was inquiring about that, but he was tight-lipped.
0: This piece from uh, last month, Christina Salbaran lives in Venezuela. The Maduro Diet. Just to put a human face on it, try and give you right. a sense of it. Right, what's going on. And you've been perhaps watching some of it on TV, but the dissent began in the early 2000s when the Hugo Chavez government began to take control of elections, private companies, the judiciary, and the police. The dissent turned into a nosedive when Maduro came to power and the state tightened its grip on oil production, our country's main source of revenue. Investors fled, skilled workers emigrated. As living standards plummeted, the response was to print more money. Hyperinflation has been the result. The young are all leaving Venezuela, some due to the inflation, lack of work, others because of security for fears. We don't go out after dark. Those who do take huge risks. A friend's son was kidnapped on his way back from the cinema. The perpetrators demanding an extortionate ransom. Oh, yeah. Tragically, kidnappings work. I'm 69 and retired now. I feel too old to leave. Compared with others, I count my blessings. However, even basic medicines are increasingly scarce now in Venezuela. I'm lucky to have a son who sends me my thyroid pills from abroad. Every day I go to the supermarket in the hope of finding the supplies I need, but I'm almost always disappointed. On my last visit, I was looking for the basics, vegetable oil, sugar, milk, flour, bread, butter. But there was nothing on the shelves, just a few bags of crisps, some loo paper, and tins of sardines. Uh, Most of what I need is on the black market. And she goes on just to recount These stories that I think are being revisited, as well they should be, with the prospect of regime change in Venezuela, that is organic. We didn't uh, pick Guaido uh, and, and put him in Caracas. And so the Democrats' response to me in the face of what we know is the reality on the ground is remarkable. For more on this and other topics, we're pleased to be joined again by our friend Noah Rothman. He is the associate editor for Commentary Magazine, and he's got a new book out on just social justice and the unmaking of America. And we'll get to that. Noah, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, What about uh, the left's response to the happenings in Venezuela?
2: Well, uh, I I think you've seen actually a pretty reasonable response from Democrats, uh, Senate Democrats, including uh, Dick Durbin and Chuck Schumer, and uh, even uh, Bernie Sanders, believe it or not, who, is, uh, who still paid obeisance to some of these diktats of the, of the far left, but he wasn't uh, t- totally opposed to what is a very constitutional process that is happening in Venezuela that has created these two parallel regimes that is hardly a coup. What you've seen, however, from the, the far left, the, the new democratic class, members of the so-called democratic socialists, um, has been this nostalgic throwback to a time and place in which the, the, the Soviet menace was um, expansive all over the world and American uh, interventionism and, uh, and and secret plots uh, was was sort of the way in which American foreign policy was conducted. It has nothing, no bearing on the present status of what's happening in Venezuela. And the moral uh, compromises that these members of the far left have made in order to justify their support for a bloody and, and uh, incompetent socialist regime uh, have been huge moral compromises and really uh, sapped them of credibility on the issue. They've made some really bad calculations here.
1: Do you think the U.S. should insert themselves and bring in some military might? I mean, you you did see that still shot of uh, Bolton on his notepad saying five thousand troops to Colombia
2: yeah I sort of find it hard to believe that the national security Advisor, one little line scribbled on his uh outward facing legal pad, would announce our deployments to a uh, to a, <laughs> a, a, a country that is that is very much uh not a a matter of, of of deployment at this point it's not not a matter of intervention militarily that said the the fact that we've seen quite a lot of commentators both in the press and on the democratic left. Saying that this is uh, the, the phrase all options are on the table is this prelude to war is nonsensical. It's the sort of thing that you say as a matter of course. Barack Obama said it just about every time the, the, the issue of Iran came up, even though everybody knew that all options were not on the table. To say all options are not on the table is to invite provocation. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why our diplomats are still there is because we are recognizing this alternative government, the legal government, of the uh, the National Assembly leader, once I go. Uh, and, and in order for that to, to be an effective deterrent to any sort of provocation by this military, we have to back that with a threat of force. And that's just competent statecraft. And I think people understand that at an intuitive level, but to admit that would be to give the Trump administration credit for what has been a really competent process. They've handled this in a really very deft fashion. Uh, coordinating responses across the Western Hemisphere and putting the military on its back foot, and forcing Maduro to compromise and his view uh, his own position is very tenuous. I think they've done a very good job, actually, and, and they deserve some credit for that. But that's anathema to the Democratic left. Uh,
0: just sticking with that new uh, Democrat socialist class you were talking about, uh, Michigan Representative Rashida Tlaib, uh, she uh, now of the infamy of saying we have to impeach that mfr right and that now she's a big celebrity too because of that uh, oh, yeah. grand insight that courageous statement uh she uh, uh is sort of in a bit of more hot water maybe at least in some quarters because of this uh, uh, fundraiser ally of hers a palestinian activist named maher abdel kader who uh in a 2018 video described jews as satanic he questioned the Holocaust. Research the truth about the Holocaust, you will know, definitely start to question what you thought you knew, the video's narrator says. Um, what about the—and uh, we, we saw this controversy of uh, around the this Democrat-Socialist anti-Semitism around the Women's P-Hat March a couple of weeks ago as well. What about this uh, anti-Semitism of, um, among some of the Democrat-Socialist stars and uh, its a re- relative tolerance— uh, by uh, many on the left, including corporate America?
2: Well, we've seen um, an increasing trend among the, the left in America to, uh, towards a, a sort of uniformity with the European left. And it's becoming more and more apparent that anti-Semitism is a very big part of that coalition, um, the the labor movement, the labor party movement in the UK has been sending off accusations of anti-Semitism and losing members left and right over one anti-Semitism scandal over and after another, for quite some time. And they're presently led uh, by Jeremy Corbyn, who is uh, a supporter of uh, Hamas and Hezbollah in, in rhetoric as well as action, and has uh, has yeah. embraced some of the dictates of an anti-Semitic movement called BDS, boycott, sanctions, and divestment, which seeks to stigmatize. Any effort to work with um, social, non-governmental, legal, or political institutions in the world's only Jewish state, that that meets the working definition of anti-Semitism as anyone has defined it. But that's also something, the BDS movement is also something, to which people like Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar and others in the ascendant wing of the Democratic Party have paid guilty to. They think that it's a, a reasonable response to Israeli foreign policy. And it's ing- indistinguishable in many ways from rank anti-Semitism, and it, it necessitates that you form coalitions with some of these people who are, uh, as you say, just uh, this side of supporters of, uh, of bloody terrorist acts in, in, the, in, in Israel and, and around the world targeting Jews. So it's, um, as you say, it's it's sort of like a part and parcel of, of this intellectual evolution of the far left of the Democratic Party that in order to embrace these ideas of global and international egalitarianism that they supposedly support that you have to also embrace the murder and the uh and the stigmatization of being jewish
0: well this this is a perfect segue to your book on just uh in which you're, you channel voltaire and his comment on the holy roman empire being neither holy or nor roman social justice neither social nor just uh, explain what you mean
2: well for i suppose for americans who aren't really deeply involved in this movement the idea of social justice can just seem like a unobjectionable catch-all for all things good just sort of a an american idea of fairness and equality and even um, reparative relations for historical wrongs of which there are many and they are real and valid but it has become in the hands of its activist class an embittering and retributive philosophy that necessitates racial hierarchies and downward social leveling and, um, and a programmatic governmental response to uh, historical conditions that the, the programmatic governmental response cannot meet <clears throat> and also creates the idea in these activists that their activism is insufficient, that working within the political system is not going to achieve the process is necessary to uh, affect this kind of historical writing of wrongs, and so they either withdraw from the political system or, worse, embrace extra political activities and become violent. And that is the, uh, the evolution that I identify in this, in this book. It, it talks about the silly and the serious aspects of social justice activism, the narcissism uh, that, it, uh, that it encourages in its members, and um, the, the ways in which it, it transforms its adherence into something that doesn't resemble an egalitarian uh, American ideal, but uh, something much more European and, uh, and far more antithetical to the idea of, of a, uh, a social compact around which the United States is, is generally formed. So it's, it's why well, I think a pretty dangerous idea. It's, it's mostly on the left, but it is not exclusive to the left. Uh, And while it's a small phenomenon, it's increasing in popularity, and that that popularity needs to be arrested immediately. And so identify some ways in which you can see social justice in the wild, look at it and know what you're looking at, and then hope to stigmatize it and isolate it and stop this progress before it's too late.
0: Yeah, I mean, it seems to me uh, one of the things you're you're getting at in the book is about uh, explaining these contradictions, right, Uh, the misnomers. Uh, Von Mises, uh, talking about socialists many moons ago, said liberals uh, don't believe in liberty uh now that seems to be a contradiction in terms but it needs to be explained so you understand exactly what the underlying substance of the the kind of top-line appellation really implicates
2: yeah um, Friedrich Hayek actually wrote a very powerful um, attack on the Rawlsian idea of social justice, um, which, by the way, yeah. even social justice activists have abandoned at this point. They're, they're no longer invested in equality. Equality is actually counterproductive. It would blind its adherence to the um, historical uh, grievances that are suffered by individuals who have very distinct traits, and to blind oneself to those distinct traits is morally obtuse. Um, his, uh, what Hayek said about social justice is that it is essentially um, antithetical to itself. Once you append social basically onto any word, it dilutes the meaning of the word that it is supposedly modifying. Mm. Um, but it is the idea that you have to create institutions, the Rawlsian idea, that you have to create institutions that will mete out justice in a disparate fashion. And so those institutions, in order to achieve equality, have to treat individuals very differently. And once that institution dedicates itself to that process, it is no longer a just institution. It is going. It is creating for itself a, a radicalizing concept that will necess- necessitate discrimination and downward leveling. So what, one of the things you know, a, a affirmative action used to be this idea that you have to build certain segments of the population up because they've been historically wronged. Positive discrimination, and the effect of that was negative discrimination too. But that was sort of okay. It was collateral damage, and it wasn't the desired effect. But it was just something that happened along the way. Now. Negative, downward social leveling for social justice activists is the point. If there's any positive leveling that attributes to that, well, it's all well and good, but that's not the whole point of this process. The point of this process is to achieve retribution and to put certain classes where they belong. Um, That's a a dangerous philosophy. It's an embittering philosophy, and it's one that I think needs to be stopped.
0: He is Noah Rothman. His thought-provoking new book, you want to pick it up, Unjust, Social Justice and the Unmaking of America, can also uh, catch his writings always at commentary magazine noah thanks for joining us good luck with the book my pleasure thank you
1: and he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line
0: this is the morning show more chicago radio listeners are choosing this is chicago's morning answer on am 560 the answer